Welcome back to Master the Marketplace with Caspian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Master the Marketplace with Caspian. Today, a special episode. We're going to talk everything unauthorized sellers on multiple marketplaces, Amazon, Walmart, eBay, etc. And we've got today with us Derek Mandapeg, partner at Vantage BP, a firm that specializes in dealing with some of these unauthorized sellers to talk to us about the problem, solutions, his views on the market. So Derek, welcome to the show. Very excited that you're here. Awesome. Thank you, Kanal. Fantastic. So, so Derek, let's just start with you. Let's start with your background. Tell us about your history, your story, and what got you to be partner at Vantage BP. All right. Well, um, yeah, thank you, Kanal. So appreciate again the time for uh, being on the podcast here today. Um, so yeah, so Vantage BP, so we started this about four years ago. And, um, you know, we originally started the company when um, I was a product company. You know, we were selling electronic goods, got counterfeited, and nobody uh, could help us at the time. You know, we went to a law firm, asked if they could help us, couldn't help us, and uh, looked for other brand production companies in space to help, and neither could they. And, and we basically automated technology to help us get rid of counterfeit products across e-commerce marketplaces. And once we solved our problem, uh, brands started coming to us for help, and, and they asked us, and uh, yeah, we built the service out of it. And now four years later, we're helping some of the world's biggest brands uh, basically tackle this unauthorized reseller problem. And it's been That's very, fantastic. Very and what was your your background? Like, tell us a little bit about just yourself, where you grew up, what got you, you know, yeah. um, you know, excited about this space to sell products online first. Oh yeah. So, um, so originally my background is actually in UI design. So I was really big in, you know, tech entrepreneurship, building applications, mobile apps, web apps, the whole thing. And, um, and then I went into marketing and I got into branding and that whole thing. And I started consulting for a company that was producing electronic cigarettes at the time and was working with them for about a year and a half. And in that industry, you know, counterfeits were just a massive, massive, um, headache. I mean, literally there was products that were just coming over from China ending up on eBay, ending up on Amazon, ending up on all these marketplaces and these brands. Um, and surprisingly, there were smaller brands were getting counterfeited and they just couldn't compete. They couldn't compete with these fake products and uh, businesses were dying and it was really, really sad. And we never even thought that this could happen to us, um, but it did. You know, we poured a lot of our money, a lot of our time. And, and two years later, our, our product was just completely wiped out. And, uh, and then we, you know, we took it to them. We were like, hey, this is not fair. We have to figure something out here. And so, you know, with my background in technology, we basically automated a process to be able to scan these marketplaces looking for these counterfeits and then simultaneously file, you know, thousands of reports to get these listings removed. And in doing that, you know, our competitors came to us and they're like, hey, can you help us solve that too? And, um, and we did. So we, we basically eradicated the counterfeit market for e-cigarette um, commerce. And, and in doing that, that kind of paved the way for all these other industries now approaching us as well. And uh, now we're helping some of the world's biggest companies uh, you know, Unilever, Bose, um, Obey, 511, um, you name it, you pretty much have it. And um, it's been a bit Fantastic. of a wild ride. So let's dive a little more into yeah. your services, specifically Advantage BP. Maybe tell us a little more about the firm. How do you work with brands? What do you offer? And how do you help solve this unauthorized seller problem? Absolutely. So Advantage P is an online brand protection technology. So essentially what we do is we identify and enforce and authorize resellers across about 168 different e-commerce marketplaces. So that's a lot. You know, we cover all national versions of Amazon, all national versions of eBay, Alibaba, DHgate, Mercado, Libre, you name it, we pretty much have it. And essentially what the technology does is it scans these marketplaces every day looking for new sellers and new listings, right? 
And typically when a brand comes to us and you know, they say, okay, great. You know, these sellers like Caspian, you know, these other sellers are authorized, um, put them in a bucket over to the side that anybody else that's not on our authorized seller list, let's find out who they are and let's go after them. So essentially our technology will scape the marketplace, look for new sellers. And the moment we find a seller, we basically send out an automated seller verification request straight to the seller's inbox, asking them who they are and where they get these products from. Um, and typically in just doing that, um, we see a massive reduction in authorized sellers. Typically around 70 to 80% of sellers will just drop off the moment they get a first notice. So for a brand you know, coming to us with hundreds of resellers, um, that's a pretty big win right out the gates. And then you know, past that initial wave of sellers leaving, um, at that point, we basically help brands find ways to automate the enforcement of case-appropriate infringement takedowns to get those sellers removed. So whether we come at it from a trademark perspective, a copyright perspective, um, we have a lot of brands that come to us with counterfeit issues. So we have, a, you know, our service can also include that. Um, but it basically, from, from scale, from the more part of uh, monitoring to identifying to ultimately enforcing, we help the brand at every stage of that um, automate that process I and see. make it efficient. So let's talk a little bit about the problem itself. Like if you had to categorize the unauthorized sellers problem on these different marketplaces, mm -hmm. and again, for a lot of people who are maybe listening or this is not a big deal and they're newer to the space as a whole, how would you categorize? Like what are the different categories of problems that one could see as a brand online? Sure. So, um, I mean, man, there's just problems across the board. So, you know, dealing with sellers um, really isn't the issue. It's, it's dealing with the sellers that are breaking the policies of the brand, right? Those are the ones with the bad seeds that are ruining it for everybody else. And typically what tends to happen is you have a couple different layers of that, right? The first layer is that you have these sellers that are buying these products at wholesale from maybe a distributor or something of the sort. And they're supposed to be selling in their brick and mortar retail shop. But what they're doing is they're backdooring that stuff on Amazon and they're listing it way below the brand's you know, pricing policies. Massive issue, right? The moment they do that, then you have major retailers like Target, you know, Ralph's, whatever, you know, they start calling the brand. They're saying, hey, we can't compete. How are we supposed to abide by these pricing policies when you have somebody listing on Amazon for just above wholesale, but way below MSRP? We can't compete. Um, and then the brand has a massive issue. And then all the other sellers, you know, they, they drop their pricing and the whole thing just erodes, right? So pricing policies and maintaining those is a massive issue for brands. And really it just takes one person to bring the whole thing down for everybody. Second to that, you also have resellers that are going to, you know, these chain stores and whatnot, and they're buying stuff at wholesale, they're buying stuff at discounts. Um, how are they getting stuff at discounts? Okay, well, maybe the product's used, maybe it's expired, maybe it's about to expire. And we have a lot of our CPG companies where, you know, if you actually go into the reviews of the listings, you start seeing that these consumers are buying these products like, mm -hmm. you know, beef jerky or whatever food type product, and they're opening it up and boom, there's mold mm -hmm. or boom, it was expired. And it's several weeks old. And, you know, brands just don't know how to compete with this because they have the consumers buy these products on Amazon. They open them up, find that they're materially different. And then the consumers try to return it to the brand and the brand's like, well, you didn't buy it from us. But right. the consumer doesn't know that, right? The consumer thinks that if they buy it on Amazon, it's coming from a legitimate source. And if it's, if the product is bad, it's the brand's problem, right? They don't realize that they're buying it from somebody and that somebody might've actually shipped that product from a garage and didn't even store it properly. So massive headaches, right? You have pricing problems, you have these unauthorized resellers that aren't you know, selling the, the good products. Um, and then obviously some companies too are buying counterfeit goods, which are also circulating in this market. So it's just a massive headache for brands across wow, the world. Wow, wow, that's, that's crazy. And has, yeah. you know, just over the line, you've been in this business four years, has this problem become worse yeah. over time? Has it improved? And the maybe a, a point related to this is, you know, there was an article recently on, you know, 75% of new sellers, I think it was on Amazon, are from China. And I think it was a Marketplace Pulse article. Sure. 
How are you seeing this influx of chip sellers from China? Are they contributing to the problem? Is it, are they legit players? Like what's your view on just, you know, the improvement or not over time? Yeah. That's a great question, Kunal. You know, it varies by industry, um, but across the board, I'd say we are seeing a massive rise in authorized resellers, just period, right? And it's not always counterfeit goods. You know, actually our business in the beginning was predicated on just removing counterfeits. We have now evolved to, to offer a gray market solution because now we have brands coming to us and say, mm -hmm. hey, we don't have fake products. We just have stocks that we don't want in the marketplace because they're representing us in a horrible way. And um, that seems to be the bigger problem in the industry now is just all of these sellers are just out of control. You know, I mean, that's that's really what it is. And um, yeah, I mean, we're still seeing stuff come from from China. And, you know, we have a couple of brands that are just like, I mean, man, we have beauty brands where the products are coming in and there's like lead in the palettes. And, you know, women are buying these products on Amazon. They're putting on their face. They're breaking out in rashes. It's very, very scary. Canal. We're even seeing counterfeit pet dog food. Um, also incredibly scary. You know, pets are dying. Wow. It's just it's, it's just so sad. And, um, and brands just don't know how to react. You know, they're, they're hiring law firms, they're hiring, you know, they're bringing in general counsels, they're trying to sue Amazon. It, I mean, it's impossible. It's like really, really hard to sue Amazon. So they just don't really know what to do. And, um, and that's why, you know, utilizing a service like us, we can help automate the process of going after these resellers at scale, right? Which is unimaginable before. Um, typically you would use, you know, a law firm and they would file, you know, CNDs and that whole thing that I could range about 300 to $500 per seller per letter. And mind you, these bigger brands have thousands of resellers. It's just not scalable, you know, and obviously there is a, a place where you need to bring an attorney in house um, to, to handle certain issues, but if you can automate 95% of it, that's the best way to come at this issue. Right. And that's why a lot of brands use us for the 95% and they leave, you know, they use that 5% and they go after, you know, law firms such as Avoris or a KJK, which are really, really good right. um, in the space. Oh, that's a great point. And yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I also did not, until you spoke right now, I did not realize the seriousness of the issue around, you know, pets dying or maybe just rashes on your face, et cetera. I mean, I can imagine how, how difficult it could be. And, you know, imagine the brand having to deal with some of this when it's not even their fault. So, wow. That's right. No, and they're held up. Right, which is really right, unfortunate. exactly. So. so what's your view on how much marketplaces play a role in, in this problem? Like, and, and should they be liable for solving some of these issues? You know, and a good example that comes to my mind yeah. is, you know, the Target marketplace or Target Plus specifically, they take a more curated approach. They only let in a few sellers that they have handpicked. They have, True. they decide on the product SKUs that need to go on there. They know their audience too well versus Amazon is kind of open for all. Anyone can sell anything. What's your view on where should the control right. be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so Target Plus is something that's pretty interesting. You know, a lot of our brands have started requesting us to start scanning Target to, to make sure that products aren't ending up there. But I, I'm actually, um, I'm happy what Target's doing. You know, they're not releasing the floodgates like Walmart.com did. Walmart's just like, okay, we want to compete with Amazon. So let anybody come on the platform and boom, it became a nightmare, right? With Target, I believe uh, Market Pulse also just released something saying they had about Correct. 109 merchants and about 160,000 right. products over the course of a year. That's great, right? They're keeping it to a very limited scope. I believe to a certain extent, they are also vetting the sellers, finding out, okay, are these products legitimate? Are they coming from legitimate sources? So they're taking cautions to do it. I don't know if Target is trying to compete against Amazon or Walmart. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to build a strategy for new brands to come on and test their product to see if they fit in Target as a whole. I think that's kind of more their angle. Um, but with Amazon and Walmart and eBay and Mercado Libre, they're just opening up the floodgates, right? They just want as many resellers as possible, as many products as possible, and then just go, right? Let's just see what happens. So with those marketplaces, 
yeah, it's a challenge, right? I mean, they're just kind of letting everybody come through and, um, you know, they offer some policing tools for the brands, but I mean, typically they make it really difficult. They make it really hard and uh, it's, it's impossible to do. So they're trying to pretend that, hey, like they're doing something for the industry to make it better, but in actuality, they're just making it more complicated. And that's that's a big challenge that I think brands face on these open research. Yeah, you make a good point. It you know, depends on the strategy too. You know, for example, the Amazon strategy is all about selection and they want to widen that selection and that's going to come through more sellers on the platform. And, you know, it was his target, as you rightly said, is, you know, maybe it's a test bed for something that needs to go into their stores. And, you know, that's the approach that they're taking. Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. And are you seeing, you know, to, to the point of just marketplaces, are you seeing international be a bigger problem relative to the U.S.? And and how, how do you sort of enforce some of the services that you offer internationally when maybe there's less legal protection and I don't know the market too well, maybe, maybe you can educate me here. No, I mean, you bring up a great point. I think, you know, everybody right now is focused on Amazon US because that's the biggest market, but I mean, Amazon also has 16 other marketplaces all around the world. Amazon Japan, Amazon Mexico, Amazon Canada, UK, Europe has seven or eight marketplaces. Um, so, I mean, this is a widespread problem. And I think what's also really interesting is each country has different laws. And it can be incredibly challenging. I mean, Europe has its GDPR information laws. Um, United States has first sale doctrine laws. I mean, every country has different stuff. And for brands to be prepared um, and be able to enforce certain things, certain places, it doesn't always apply, right? And there's also a lot of legal liabilities that open up when they try to do that kind of stuff. So it's it's challenging. And I think that's why, you know, leveraging, um, you know, a firm like us, using firms in different countries of origin um, is important because, you know, all, every country is different. Uh, and does Vantage BP do a lot of international enforcement as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we cover, pre, I think we cover about 55 different countries right now. Um, and in South America, which is a really growing market for a lot of our brands, um, Mercado Libre is one of the biggest marketplaces there. Um, Mercado Libre basically has marketplaces in every single South American country, and uh, it's just growing. And, and again, you know, brands are saying, hey, we want to come into the South American market. You know, how can we do it? There's already sellers <laughs> selling our products. And, uh, and great. So we have technology that can scan that stuff, enforce those sellers, open up those marketplaces so brands can come great, and start great. to sell. So if I'm a brand Derek, listening right now to, to this podcast, and I'm thinking like, what can I go right now and do internally to start taking control of the problem? Like what are some of the tips or tricks you will maybe give them and say, hey, here are the three things that you should do. And of course, you know, one of them might be working with a firm like yeah. yours, but what else would you, what can they do internally right now to get control of the problem? Yeah, so I think the best way that brands can successfully get on Amazon, some of these marketplaces and getting ahead of it is by working with an experienced um, e-commerce agency such as Caspian, right? I mean, you guys have such ex much experience, um, you know, helping brands list products, helping brands set everything up, you know, opening up those pathways, setting up relationships with distributors. And those are brands need. I think a lot of brands are trying to test the waters are saying, hey, we want to get rid of these unauthorized sellers, but we don't really know how to sell ourselves. And they need to leverage agencies to help them do that. It's, it's important. Um, so I, I recommend, you know, utilizing agencies as yourselves, you know, utilizing a firm such as us to be able to scan these stuff and, and, uh, and reinforce these unauthorized resellers. And then also registering an ultra property. A lot of these brands don't have IP when they come to us mm. and they don't have their trademarks and all their copyrights, they don't have their pats in place. So building a legal foundation is important to kind of setting the paveway for, you know, have Cecil right in the future. Right. hundred percent. Well, that, that makes sense. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've always said that, you know, in you know in a in a world that we live in right now around e-commerce and where it's going, you know digitally native brands, the 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 future of commerce in my opinion is is omni-channel both on the distribution channel side as well as on the supply chain side, and 
you know, the way to be able to effectively run a business on this new age platform of sorts is through the power of technology and, you know, tech enabled services that like Caspian provides that you provide. And, you know, we've invested a lot of capital into building the right infrastructure to be able to manage, you know, brands online, but also to, you know, uh, catch these unauthorized sellers, take them down, et cetera. And so trying to invest in that in-house is just a huge investment. Instead, there are multiple players out there that one could leverage to effectively continue to, to manage these channels appropriately. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's, you know, speaking of like my little view here on Omnichannel, what's your view on the future of, of e-commerce? Where do you see it going? There's this yeah. debate that I, I get, I, I'm part of multiple times, which is, Look, you know, COVID gave everyone a surge here and it's just going to go back to normal. Although the penetration of online retail was happening across retail, you know, as a whole, but you know, that might slow down. What, what are your thoughts on like, you know, is this demand surge that we saw last year going to continue? What's your view on, on the growth of e-commerce? That's a great question, Kanal. Um, I don't believe it's going to slow down. I think it's only going to continue to get bigger. I mean, I think we have, I mean, just, we have about a little over 120 brands um various industries and we're seeing across the board these brands are closing their retail shops and they're moving everything online that's what it is i mean the adoption and what happened with covid and people starting to use amazon for everything every purchase um it's happening and it's prevalent and i think brands are trying to adapt and i think what's also interesting too is you have a lot of these new brands that are coming on board and they're skipping the distributors they're skipping the retail shops they're going straight to amazon i mean digital brands are it's it's just here and they're i mean dollar shave club um, drops. I mean, all these companies are just skipping the middleman. They're going straight to the e-commerce marketplaces and they're getting adoption and they're getting sales. And it's incredible what's happening right now. And I don't think it's- Yeah, and it's a great all. way to even test the market, right? I mean, you know, no longer do you need to think about, yeah. you know, large inventory purchases and working with a Costco or with a, a big box retailer out there. Instead, you know, you can quickly launch something on, you know, to Amazon, see if you're, you know, optimize it quickly, see if you're getting some demand. And then, you know, test it, rate, test it, rate, and then, you know, grow from there. I, I, I think that's the future of brands. It's going to be digitally native, as you said. Right. 100%. And we've also seen related to the market, you know, this surge just the last couple of years in brand aggregators who are now acquiring brands and try to roll them up. Maybe similar to the point that you and I were making, you know, and there's some operational efficiencies to be gained, scale to be gained when you manage a portfolio as opposed to trying to manage each brand. What's your view on that market? I would love to get your thoughts on just that developing market on this brand aggregation that's been happening out there. Lots of capital getting poured in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, I think one of our biggest umbrella companies to work with is uh, Unilever, right? And we've had several brands actually just get acquired by Unilever. So it's happening. I mean, these bigger companies are trying to adapt. I mean, they're, they're seeing these dollar shave clubs coming in, trying to compete with Gillette Razors, who's been industry leaders, and they just skip right around them. And guess what? They have to acquire them. They have to either acquire them or they have to compete. And, and right now they're just buying. And so a lot of these big companies, Nestle, uh, Mars Company, um, Polaris. I mean, they're just buying companies left and right. And, and are sense. you seeing that happen with some of these large companies? Is Are they adapting internally? Like, for example, when I was at Amazon, I, I used to work with a number of different brands out there. And when I would work with them, you would have one buying manager managing the Amazon channel, another buying manager managing the Walmart channel, someone else managing the, the Costco relationship and someone else managing the Nordstrom relationship. And no one was talking to each other. They all had their PL goals. And it was very inefficient across sure. the board. 
And I would keep advising them saying, hey, maybe you should be thinking about collaborating across a single PNL and being able to shift inventory across these different channels and manage it more holistically. Right. And obviously I got a lot of pushback on stuff like that. But what's your view? Are you, do you think that brand or some of these larger companies are adapting to a new way of, of operating in this new world? They're trying. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely trying. I mean, when they acquire these new companies, they're they're questioning it, right? It's a different process. Um, and right now, typically, it's it's super scattered. I mean, the hierarchies are crazy. They have so many steps to be able to do something um, that just makes it incredibly inefficient for them to move. And you have these fast companies that are just coming on board. They're doing all these radical things. They're hiring agencies to help them sell. And they're just more nimble and they're faster and their revenue is just blowing out of control. So I think these bigger umbrella companies, they're trying to adapt, but they're doing it by acquiring these companies, seeing how they work in an isolated instance. And then they're trying to expand the process that they're doing really well into some of their other companies. And it's kind of a slower rollout, but they are trying. Right? We're seeing that with Unilever, we're seeing that with Mars, we're seeing that with Nestle. Um, they're hiring agencies in limited scopes to see how one brand succeeds. And if that works, then they're applying across all their brands. But they're doing it in a slow, nimble way, which makes sense. Right, We're talking about billions of dollars on the line, so they don't want to just radically change something tomorrow. Um, but it does make sense that, hey, they have it's, you know, it's a new world that we live in, and they need to adapt. Otherwise, they're just not going to succeed. Right, right. No, that makes sense. You know, one of the things that we've been dealing with lately in, in a positive way is we're getting a lot of international brands that are selling locally pretty well in their countries and then are coming to Caspian and saying, look, we want, we want you to be our distribution channel in the U.S. market and take our brands, you know, take our international brands to the U.S. And what are some of the things that, you know, that, that they should be thinking about, you know, the other sort of problem, which is, you know, getting international sellers here into the U.S. and but wanting want you to mm -hmm. do it in a more legitimate manner. Like what should some of the, what are the things that they should be thinking about? Like, for these for some of these international sellers who want to come to the us now yeah that's a great question um i mean we're working with a pretty big umbrella company based out of india right now um a massive um market share in cookware products and they're doing really well they can produce the products for really cheap but they're really high quality products and they're saying hey look like we've dominated amazon india um, we're dominating you know amazon asia and now we want to come to the us it's a wider market how do we get in here um, and it's a challenge, right? I mean, when you're moving that much product into the United States, you need to have fulfillment companies. You need to have an agency that, agency that can help you fulfill. Um, you need to be able to translate everything into English. I mean, that, those are all challenges that these international brands face, but they see the opportunity here is insane. And um, you know, I think, again, if an international company comes to the United States, they need to leverage an agency such as Caspian, um, experienced people in the space that know how to get them into the U.S. market. Otherwise, they're just not to succeed. I mean, that's that's it. Great, great. Yeah, I mean, that to my earlier point is, you know, making the, taking advantage of some of the players who have been there and done that here in the U.S. and provide the right services and platforms is the right way to go. And then, you know, final question, Derek, before we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to get your views on the on the use of technology as it relates to the future of brands online. I mean, my I have my perspective and I'll certainly give you that, but love to get your view on how technology is going to play a, a big role or not in the growth of some of the mm -hmm. digitally native brands on on these different marketplaces and maybe even you know direct to consumer to their own stores etc just online what are your views on on the on technology's contribution yeah oh 100 um i mean look uh, there's it's there's many problems that are opening up with brands selling on e-commerce i mean you know fulfilling things at scale 
managing customer reviews, listing things the proper way, running ads the proper way, dealing with unauthorized resellers at scale. I mean, these things are massive issues that trying to do manually is just not going to work, period. And it's going to be incredibly expensive. And a lot of these companies are kind of resorting to, instead of building in-house teams to manage all these functions, they're leveraging third-party technology companies to do it because they can do it for a tenth of the cost. They can do it 10x the speed. And that's just what's happening, right? So we're moving into an online world. You're going to need to use online services to be able to match that um, efficiently. And that's, I, you know, again, leveraging an agency, you know, utilizing an automated law firm service. Um, I mean, you have to use these technology providers um, to be able to compete in the space. Otherwise, you just won't. And uh, that's the world that we're entering. And it's, it's very exciting. It's very new. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity. And I think that's what makes it. Yeah, great. no, I'm with you completely. I think the, the future of digitally native brands or just brands trying to sell on these various online channels, if you can't do it using a backbone of technology infrastructure that is intelligent, that utilizes data, insights, automation to help you be more effective and do it at scale, I think you're going to be behind the curve. And, you know, as right. especially as costs continue to increase, advertisement costs on some of these platforms, maybe their freight increases, storage costs are increasing globally. And as you see some of those costs increase, the only way to counteract some of that is to manage your operations through a more efficient manner without throwing people at the problem for every little thing. So, you know, using technology, I believe, is, is going to be a core piece of the puzzle. So great. Derek. How can brands get in touch with you? How should they, you know, if they want to use your services, what's the best way for them to get in touch with your, your company? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously visiting us by coming to our website, www.vantagep.com is important. Um, definitely make note to reference Caspian brought you there. Um, we have an amazing relationship with Caspian a little over a year and a half now, getting on to two years. And um, if brands come to us and they work with Caspian, they also get an agency level discount, which is awesome. Um, so definitely make sure to mention that. And, uh, and yeah, Kanal, thank you for your time today. This was Oh, great. I appreciate you, Derek, on the show. Your insights and thoughts have been extremely valuable, and I'm sure a lot of brands listening would get gain a lot out of it. So, so thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights. And everyone here on the show, we will see you very soon on another episode of Master the Marketplace. Thank you for joining us today. Through conversations with experts in online retail, with years of marketing, compliance, and inventory management experience, we seek to empower our listeners to master the marketplace. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time on Master the Marketplace with Caspian.